0: Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by our Basti Cruel Dubai. It's a major failing on my part that my next guest has not been in this Luck on Sunday studio before, but we are writing that wrong now. She doesn't need a great big build-up. She's achieved just about everything you can achieve in this sport. She is the former jockey and now very successful trainer and pioneer in her field, Gay Kellaway. Gay, good morning. Good morning, Nick. And great to have you with us. And you... You brought a few bits and pieces with you as well and I wanted to start by I don't know if you'll be able to see this, but this is a cartoon that was done in I thought what late eighties? Uh,
1: no, early eighties. Early
0: eighties. Yep. Saying, I don't <laughs> care who's sponsoring gay calloway, you're not going out like that. Now where can I where can I where can I show it to you there? I think you'll just see it there, and it's the horse emblazoned with um, advertising. There we go. And what I didn't realise until you told me is that you had the biggest sponsorship the in racing sponsorship at the time the first the first jockey, commercial yeah. sponsorship at the time was in the early 80s it was hinds so tell me how it all came that all came about
1: um, obviously i was making great strides as a lady jockey i yeah. was a, you know i rode in the oaks and obviously i think it happened before the ascot winner actually the ascot winner was the, obviously the icing on the cake for the sponsorship hinds and they came about because back in those days amazingly enough you know uh, well-known sports women at the time were appearing in various... You know, I met Princess Diana, fortunately, uh, at, um, w- when they opened a big centre up in London. And um, I met various people like Maureen Lippmann, uh, bizarre sort of actors, famous sports people, Olympians. And we appeared, I remember one time I, I appeared uh, promoting Orangina, which is a French drink. Yeah, yeah, no, I, <laughs> And I had to dress up in, 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 in racing, racing gear in a boxing ring. And you had brian jacks maureen lipman and and various well-known i think linda Lassardi was there as well <laughs> There were various uh, um uh, well-known personalities This was
0: definitely the 80s you're definitely you're definitely yeah, and, giving it and, us and a one of the, of the guys the from
1: bread one of the uh, the stars uh, stars actors from bread and there was a sort of obscure sort of people sort of joined into it uh, and they asked me and and obviously i didn't have an agent then or they just called us up and asked to do these promotional things for for, for you know to promote people well known people in sports so obviously in those days obviously you have it very much so now uh, or the intention but you know it's it you know you had the basic racing papers the basic tv s- channels um so it's quite good it was it was it was um certainly i did some obscure things
0: <laughs> <laughs> but i suppose that's a measure of the fact that you know racing was pretty close close to uh, the the spirit of of that time and absolutely. More, yeah, so absolutely. Than it, more so than it obviously it, it is now and and you as a as a female jockey you was getting on were were a pretty big deal I think maybe people forget. <laughs> it was, it was a big deal that.
1: it was it was because obviously in the 80s the the governing bodies at the time the jockey club they didn't want a woman stepping on their toes there wasn't I think there might have been lady so-and-so that was a steward in the background but basically women didn't appear there was—I I don't think there was many women trainers at the time. Mm. Very few women trainers. Well, there
0: are now. Oh, uh, we'll come there's on to not that a later. huge <laughs> amount,
1: no. But the yeah. ones that are are very good. Um, but you know, and women weren't apparent. And even riding out, there would be a couple of girls in, in my dad's string. And even at Clive Britain's, there'd be a few who well, I rode out as well. A few uh, girl riders or grooms. But it was basically, it was male orientated.
0: Did you want to do it when you were a child? Did you actually <laughs> want to do it?
1: I actually wanted to be a trainer from very young, um, uh, when I got involved in racing. I actually went to college in Cambridge, and I was studying um, art. I was very sort of arty-arty, and it was that sort of era. But um, my dad was short-staffed one day, and he said, can you come and ride, you know, will you ride out? And I thought, God, do I have to? So
0: how old are you at this point?
1: I I think I was about 16, 16, yeah. So I rode out. And um, I thought, I quite like this. I really enjoyed it. It was refreshing, went down the line, kilns, gallop, and I thought, this was great. I used to lie about my weight, because I'd be put on the worst horses, with Clive as well. Clive Britton, he always used to put me on the slowest horses, because I was about seven stone, seven and a half stone. So um, I um, sort of got hooked on it then, and I started being an amateur, and I ended up being a, a champion amateur lady jockey when I was, I think I'm still the youngest at 18. To be champion and i thought that's it i'm done i'm going to go and join Norhiki hickey in america because i was spending my winter obviously we didn't have all weather racing in those days yeah so um i thought I'm, i used to spend time in um in, in america you know uh, well to improve my riding with Norhiki. hickey and i thought i'd like to train horses i love i love being part you're more part of the horse but the, the jockey you walk away at the end of the day you're not actually doing the stables in the morning and and really being part of a horse whereas a train you you do everything and um, it's much more mentally skilled um, than being a jockey. Um, so anyway, I wanted to be a trainer and I thought I'd go and be a... Because there's lots of assistant trainers in America and you yeah. went all over Chicago, California, and you went to various places like that and and did all the work for that trainer. So anyway, I was going to go there and Father said, you can't go there, you're going to turn professional. I said, you're having a laugh on you. I'm not riding against Lester Bigot and Pat Edry. <laughs> I said, women don't... I, I, felt that way women do not ride against men professionally it was just completely amateur sport and it was good fun and I enjoyed it and had a great time met some wonderful people Elaine Mella was top amateur then and I was with her and no it was great but I wasn't going to be a professional rider so I was kind of forced into it said you've got to ride I need your help I'm not getting the rides and I sort of turned professional mid-season
0: I I find it quite fascinating actually because your dad Paul Kellaway was a brilliant brilliant jump jockey Um, and a hard man of the old school but he wanted you his daughter to turn professional there's an interesting contradiction there isn't there between somebody of the old school but someone who wanted a female rider to ride you know but on father never looked at me them. like that well, he no. treated
1: me like it was i was his son really he said you should have been the boy that's what he used <laughs> to say and uh he treated me more like a boy really he spoke to me like i was a lad but uh, he was pretty tough you know he's a hard man to please he felt suicidal sometimes when he rode some of his horses afterwards, and he was really, really hard, really hard man. I never forget he told me off from getting beat on one at Yarmouth. In those days, the the winning uh, the enclosure was quite away from uh, from the, from where you pulled up, and I got the biggest tail <laughs> rollicking all the way there. I thought, what am I doing this for, you know? <laughs> and I ended up riding in winters in New Zealand for, for a really good trainer over there. Um, Alan Jones and he was really kind a kind man, so all these trainers can't be that hard They were quite tough in those days trainers. Um, I mean the only trainers that are still now in Newmarket was Sir Michael Stout Mark Prescott Uh, a at the time wasn't even there. He was an America trainer, so there was very few I think Sir Michael Stout and and, 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 um, Yeah, and Mark Prescott the only trainers I knew from when I was a child That's still there now, so I'm clearly one of the oldest (laughs) trainers still in Newmarket but um, I never really wanted to do it, that's the on- God's honest truth. I've always wanted to be a trainer. When I got into horse racing, I always wanted to be a trainer.
0: And you um, you spoke quite movingly in a recent Racing Post interview about the, the battles you had with your weight at the time.
1: Oh, gosh, yeah. And I mean, our weights were low. I mean, for God's sake, we used to weigh out with blinkers. The blinkers are on the horse's head. We had blinkers, breastplates, and anybody who doesn't know what one of those is, it's just a strap you put round the front of a horse that holds the saddle from going backwards a neck strap that goes around the horse's <laughs> necktang. Every part that went on that horse and the, and, and, and the number cloth. Uh, in France, we had to way out of helmets. Because <laughs> 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 I rode in France. I was fortunate yeah. to ride in France Longchamp a couple of times. I got the opportunity, which was great. But, you know, it was ridiculous. So, obviously, and we were riding, like, there was weights as low as seven stones. So, you imagine those jockeys would have to be about six stone, ten. Because <laughs> our saddles were heavier, our gear was heavier. Um, obviously, people are a bit heavier now, and 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 we had a lot of little people. I never forget when I moved into Newmarket on my thirteenth birthday. I thought there's a lot of little people. they <laughs> you were know, really small people. So, but um, and I was uh, I was quite tall. and I'm quite small now, short compared to to the jockeys riding nowadays. But it's all about weights, and obviously the weights have been raised a fair bit from my day.
0: And, and you were obviously too fearful to really say too much because I'm guessing you didn't want to let anybody down. So you. You just sort of
1: believe it or not. I was really shy, and it's only through uh, the confidence having success that um, I became more bolder. And I think when I become a trainer, I became even bold. You had to, you know, you had to get yourself out there and sell yourself as a trainer. But as a jockey, I was really quite. Um, I- Insular actually would be the word because I, I, I didn't want to mix marks. I didn't take a lot of interviews. I was I, 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 because of this woman thing against men, and they made such a big thing about it. in the national newspapers. I'm not talking about the racing papers. It was never really touched on in the racing papers, but in the in the national newspapers, they used to regularly call me and do the woman against the man thing all the time. So you know, and did I'm,
0: you did you find that quite uncomfortable?
1: Yes, I did very much so. Because we were living in a time in the 80s that men had bigger salaries and women were sort of there and um, a, good, a, a good wife's the one that stays at home. I mean, we were living in, the, well, it was the dark ages, wasn't it? I was quite liberated because I felt I could do, I had to, all I knew that I could not ride at the same weight as Pat Edry because he was riding at 8'4". I said, I'm nowhere near as good as him. Um, and I, I've got to ride at a lower weight than any of these jockeys, these top jockeys. So I really used to waste diet very hard,
0: very and hard. You 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 came quite close to to sort of actually inflicting some.
1: Some well, I was very himself. ill one yeah. day. I was. I remember I rode at Pondifrat one day, and the lads at the stu- the stall handlers are really good to me because they could see I was having a tough time. A from my father, and B from wasting so hard, and I got my face was sunken in. And though I felt really good when I was light riding, you know, you felt the horses used to run for you because I was like light. But I got to the stage, I remember I read at Frat and I had a horse go down in the stalls with me and the stall handlers jumped straight and pulled the pulled the horse, said, Gay, get hold of the horse's head, you know, and I felt so bad that day and that night I came back and I just collapsed. I'd, I'd just been wasting too hard. I just wanted to do it so badly. The same, you read the story about Richard Dunwoody. Mm. Now, I grew up with Richard. He, he worked for my father. He was a really good friend of mine and he was passionate about wanting to be a jockey and to the of wasting so hard he wanted to be a flat jockey Richard wanted to be a flat jockey and he made himself really ill I remember when he was going, uh, he was at boarding school he made himself really ill from dieting because so he so badly wanted to be a jockey you know I mean that that's what goes through your mind you want it so bad um, that you would do anything sacrifice anything what
0: did it feel like to you when you stopped riding was it a relief uh,
1: when I stopped riding because I was riding in New Zealand in the winter obviously we didn't have the all-weather racing then I think now it would be sublime i'd love it because you race all the year through and i was worried but father was wanted to keep me at home to ride the yearlings through the winter and it was like i'd done all that been there done it with the t-shirt i wanted to ride and i wrote a letter to alan jones because via elaine meller told me i said where else in the world are women the same as men equal nearly and believe it or not though new zealand's meant to be 10 years behind the uk they were on mm. le- way ahead of us and 50% of the riders in New Zealand were girls really good girls you had murray linden that went to singapore and was a top rider there you know all, all back in the 80s
0: did you did you feel happier there than anywhere yes, else yes very happy i can see i can hear yeah, it in your voice i had when good you talk times there
1: and also i proved to myself it wasn't my father giving me all the good rides mm. because you know you'd all think that um, alan jones said you were the best english jockey I had over here and i used to work and he said your work ethic is brilliant but, again, the, the weights were very light. They were lighter. You know, I was riding at 49 kilos, 50 kilos. They were lighter than they were in England. But I went over there straight from the, from, from the English season, straight to New Zealand, got yeah. on a plane. Father went mad. I just disappeared, went to New Zealand and just took off. Never heard from father all through the winter. And then you got a call in the, in, the new year, in the New Year and said, well, you're coming back to ride these horses. But, you know, I had a really good season. I rode some good horses there and had some good winners. So. Were
0: you tempted just to stay? Bravo.
1: I was offered a job in Australia, and I probably should have gone.
0: Do you but, regret it now?
1: Uh, I don't regret anything I've done in racing. I've been so lucky, you know, to, to to have a beautiful home I have, and you know, something I was never, I never, I, I wasn't brilliant at school. I'm um, I, um, I, I, a very ambitious person, but I believe that being a girl rider, I had to try twice hard. I'd be running at night, run, walk, lots of walking. Like Ray Cochran always used to say, "Walk, walk, gay. Don't run. You put on weight." And I used to watch my work. I was so dedicated. I used to take aerobic classes. I used to teach aerobics. I was obsessed. I had no sort of... Uh, uh, not that I was bothered any social life when I was in my teens.
0: It's I quite just, it's quite funny because people associate you with being, A, quite outspoken and and confident, but but also quite gregarious and enjoy enjoy people's company. The picture you're painting doesn't necessarily... i made up for lost time, that. trust me. But, it, but is it because you're... <laughs> Is it because you're wanting to compensate? Is it because you think, well, if I'm going to be successful as a, as a business person, then I'm going to need to get out there and sort of sell myself a little bit? Yeah,
1: but I, I, a lot of my owners are my friends, which is great. And they've been very loyal and very difficult circumstances this year. Um, very, very loyal. Um, because <laughs> as an owner in this country, I'd be thinking twice about having a horse in training yeah. here because of the circumstances, not being able to go, etc. But, you know, I, I take them as my friends and it's my life. It's my total life. I... I, I the only other sport I'm, I'm very passionate about is tennis. But uh, apart from that, I, I, I stay put in racing. Even on my off days, I actually go racing and enjoy going racing, say to Ascot or, or Newmarket mm. on my day off. I feel totally relaxed. I can go there for a nice lunch. Uh, back and remember those days. <laughs> um, back in the day, and, and have a good time with friends, you know, and, and really enjoy it. I've been I get invited to a lot of, you know, um, over the last couple of years, boxes and and do's, and asked to do some chats and stuff. And I thoroughly enjoy it. It's all to do with racing. I'm
0: like consumed
1: that. by racing. I just so passionate about I'm, and I'm still as ambitious now as I was 30 years ago when I started.
0: So with that in mind has this been, I know this has been a hard year for everyone, but has it been hard for you because you haven't had that human contact, you haven't had that engagement or can you still enjoy your own company <laughs> well? I've proved well. my home,
1: my outside space. <laughs> To, to engage people to come and I've got an owner's room at, at my property in Exning um, so I've had a few people come and stay with me and and also I've been so fortunate that I have a big interest in France and horse racing there because yeah. we set up a stable there and um, I went to um, Deauville which I'm go every year without fail and i absolutely love it and i take a group of owners with me english based owners we go and have a great laugh and we managed to get those five days in before we before we were told to self isolate so i was lucky that way but um, i miss that dreadfully now uh, obviously we miss it it's yeah. it's it's, it's terrible at the moment for us, yeah.
0: Are you going to go to France full-time? Because you, you've obviously been sending some horses over there to uh, your ex-partner who trains in La Molay. Yes. And um, is that something that is going to become more of a priority for you?
1: It kind of is a little bit now. Um, I've actually shot myself in the foot with a couple of owners in my yard because I, I advised them to take their horses over there, and they've done wonderfully well. Lower-grade horses, that is. Because they went over there and they've had a great time. I mean, Charles and and Zorka Wentworth, they have no uh, flat horses in this country. They go over to France, they have horses there, and they do very, very well there. And they enjoy it. Not every, you speak to a lot of owners, not every owner wants to go to France. They say it's a long way to go and see your horse run. Mm. (laughs) But, you know, again, it's that they, they have the aspect of having the party side of it, enjoyment side of it, going racing, going to the stables. You know, that's what you've got to, you know, you mustn't lose sight of that. The English owners, how passionate we are about horses and how it's, it's not the money, it's the honour and glory a lot with the owners. And, and But the most important part now is the breeding industry in this country. Where is it going to go, you know, with, with, with what's happening within our industry in the UK? Yes, to answer your question, haven't I? I'm not being Nick Rust, but I want to answer your question. <laughs> um, I, um, to answer your question, will I go to France? I don't know is, is the question because um, we'll see in the next six months how things pan out. But it is worrying for a trainer of my category. I'm not up there. I'm not a senior trainer or top trainer. I'm sort of the middle of the row. I fear for the lower end trainers and the middle of trainers. How are we going to survive? You look at the sales, the last few sales that have gone by. There's a lot of all the trainers were there, mm-hmm. were 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 scrambling after the same crumbs of the cake, not a piece of cake, crumbs of the cake. What owners are going to stay put? What owners are going to go? I know owners that have written to me. I'm on the, I'm on the racehorse owners, um, I, I'm on the board, and I know written owners have written to me, not just with that horses with me, but other trainers. And they say, you know, we're giving up, we're, we, we might as well spend that 60 grand on ourselves, or should we go to France? You know, that, and these, are, these are worrying times. So worrying you, times. you're in
0: this curious position where you're now a council member of the Race Orsonian Association, so you've got, um, you've got a bit of influence. I mean, you could shout loudly enough anyway, but you've now got some you know, political levers to, to pull. But you're also advising owners to send horses to France. Well, not
1: all of them, but
0: it's a straight.
1: So they don't leave racing. Yeah, because they're going to leave racing, you know. And and if you see the people that are uh, are in racing now, they're they're they're, they're a little bit younger than I'm. I'm I'm in my fifties. But there's not too many young people out there, and thank God for the younger trainers that have come in it, the George Bullies and the the Charlie Fellows um, and the George Scotts, because we need those young trainers for the next generation. I fear for the next generation in our industry.
0: Because they always said that owners always wanted to have horses with people who are roughly their, their sort of generation. That was always what used to be said, wasn't it? Do you think that still applies?
1: I think very much so, yeah. But I think the younger generation, the boys that are doing very well at the moment, we need them. But gone are the days where we had the Clive Brittons, the Barry Hills, where they started as lads and made good. These boys I've just spoken about, they, they come from, well, they're never going to go hungry, are they? Let's face it, they're not going to go hungry if, if suddenly it all goes wrong. So why, why do
0: you think that is, Gabe? Why, and we've spoken a little bit about this on this programme before, why people can't sort of start with nothing. Why, where, why is racing stopping social mobility as far as trainers are concerned? Is it, is it property prices? Is it because we don't have a mechanism by which people can rent yards or take Well, we take do boxes have a mechanism or... you can
1: rent yards, but it's really expensive to train horses. Wages yeah. are, clearly have gone right up in race, in our industry, and rightly so. The lads should be paid a lot more than they would when I first started. Um, And I think it's a lot to do with, it all ends in money, doesn't it? You know, it's how much the cost of everything to start and to get going and getting the right owners, of course. A lot of owners are now going half in horses with trainers or a quarter. Those owners that were taking whole horses are taking half a horse and so forth. You know, a lot of owners are taking 10% when they would have half a horse. They've really cut down. And we haven't got, we've got a lot more trainers now, of course, from when I first started. And there's not, like I said, there's not enough pieces of the cake to go around, really, realistically.
0: When you get up every morning, do you still approach the, the, the job with the same enthusiasm that you did 25 years ago?
1: Absolutely, because I step out my front door and I see some beautiful horses. And I love my horses. You know, I just love going around and they all have different personalities. And I do it because I'm a little bit girly I love my ho- I love horses mm-hmm. I don't do it because you know I think about how much i'm going to earn or what i'm going to do. I just love being around. I'm so lucky to do a job that I love being around. you know horses every day i couldn't i, I mean I'll never forget I worked in london um uh, for a, for a couple of years before I started training, and I used to ride out on a weekend. God, I miss horses, just touching them being near them. you know I should be buried with one really, mm. but no, it's actually. Being associated with that animal, and it's amazing what we do. And they get so well looked after, horses, so well looked after, especially in this country. We really look after our horses well here.
0: Are you better with horses or better with humans?
1: Oh, definitely <laughs> better with horses. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of people, would tell you so. Yeah, yeah.
0: But, but as I said, I, I've always wondered whether your your image as a sort of um, you know being. Quite forthright and slightly sharp-tongued. I always wondered whether that was really Gay Calloway or not.
1: Well, you know, I believe in. There's a lot of people that are sitting on the hands at the moment, not saying anything, and they're, they're good speakers. You know, you know, they come and talk to you and sit behind over a coffee and chat away and come up with really good stuff. But go and say it. You might as well be dead if you don't speak out. You know, I'll go and stand on my soapbox and, and speak out if I think it's right. And you know it's right. Mm. It's common sense it's right. But we haven't got, in, in our industry, we haven't got enough people that actually speak out. We have a lot of, uh, lot of governing bodies and, and, and people that run various, you know, uh, 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 things. And, 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 but I still think there's not enough people that actually come out and say things and be forthright. You've got to be more forthright. That's the way I am. I'm forthright. What you see is what you get with me, always.
0: So the answer to my question is yes. That is, that <laughs> I is. Guess so. that, you know that. Look that at is, you.
1: You're a bit. That is. <laughs> that is the,
0: the private. Oh is my the, god! The, the... what's she going
1: to come out? No, no, of not next? at all. I, I,
0: that, I, listen. If I didn't, if I didn't want you to come out with something interesting, I wouldn't have asked you on. But the, the public gay Calloway that we see is the is the private gay Calloway.
1: I'm passionate. I mean, I I, I, I know right and wrong. Mm-hmm. I know right and wrong, and the, the I would go and say something to a steward if I feel um, that the. Horse isn't being treated right by yeah. a particular trainer at a race course. And I've been rubbish for that. But I will go and say something oh. to the steward. If I see there's a lame horse walking around that, you know, in, in the stables uh, before racing, I will say something. Whereas a lot of them, oh, oh, don't get involved, don't get involved. I think that's only right. And I think about the horse. I only, I really think about the horse first.
0: I think if there was something that struck me, uh, it's it's all very well to, you know, we can, we can lob grenades at, the jockey club or the bha it's easy easy enough to do we all do it it's quite straight for you as a member of the training profession to actually hold your fellow professionals to account now that's that's a bit that's brave because you're risking being being unpopular and we've talked about this before you you think that not every trainer is looking after these horses as well as they should be
1: um that's something i don't know but I, i look it's, it's not my job. It, it's the BHA. They have very good people in place keeping an eye on stuff. And I think, like I said, I think our horses get very well looked after. Mm-hmm. But I think, um, getting off the subject, I think, we've, we've, like John Gosden said, you know, we've got to get our house in order over this business. But who's running the house? <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> Who's in charge of this house? You know, and we've got some really good trainers, like Mark Johnson. He's a great spokesman, and he, he'd be right up top there to to speak out. But they give up. Oh, we're, for, we're speaking deaf ears but you know we need strong personalities to get out there and really do some kicking, kicking ass.
0: Who would you like to see running the sport?
1: You're going to laugh now, Mark Johnson
0: Mark Johnson, the trainer yeah. I think he's
1: incredibly intelligent he comes with some great ideas he says, and I totally agree with him that racing should be more um, Applicable to the public, we should understand it better. You read a, you read a race card, it, 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 it's foreign to a lot of people, they don't understand it. See, football's so simple to the, the average guy off the street because you're just kicking one ball into one side and another ball into another, two teams. We should simplify racing a lot more, we should sell it better that way. Make it more sexy racing. We don't make it sexy enough.
0: Well, talking of when, when racing was sexy, back in the 1950s, um, your father was riding for... Fred Astaire. That's and right. Yeah. I mean, this is this a is the time. Star. This is the time when film stars owned racehorses, and everyone everyone loved the game. I don't know if you can see it there. Um, if we can pick it up on on that camera, you can see on the left there. It says to Paul Kellaway, thanks for taking good care of Rainbow Ice. Sincerely, Fred Astaire, 1956. And on the right, there's a picture of your dad riding the brilliant dual champion hurdle winner Bueller for for Fred Winter. But it was a it was a glamorous, sexy industry. then. it
1: was very so. Much you so. now
0: have to apply that to, you know, what we love now, and you're the person to tell us how to do it.
1: <laughs> I don't know if I am, but we've got to we've got we got to appeal to the, the younger generation. We've got to make racing a bit more sexy. Uh, it's very stiff upper lip. Come on, Nick. Come on. It still is quite stiff upper lip, isn't it, racing? You know? And, I, do, and you I not, put,
0: do you do not think the sport is trying to sort of diversify its base? You guys make base? it easier.
1: Because you understand it. You know, the TV guys are trying to make it more, you know, anybody can come into it. But we've got to stop saying how much a horse costs on the TV because <laughs> you frighten so many people away. Oh, it was cheap, t- 15,000. That's not cheap to There's the, the, the laymen on the well, side we, of the street that's pound uh, each way on a horse.
0: I found myself saying to somebody, God, I can't believe that horse only cost 90 grand. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, can't say that. I know. You make a good point, I think.
1: You've got to make racing affordable. And a lot of people, I have all types of people have shares in horses with me. You can buy a 5% share for a minimal amount of money, a few hundred quid, and get involved. And at least you can get into the races. You're not the public that can't get into the races. But, you know, you don't have to be a rich person to be part of a syndicate. And we must embrace, like the Australians, syndicates. Because they really make it doable and make it fun, and all the, you know, so many of the top horses in Australia are, are, are syndicate owned, and you, it, they embrace the, pub, the whole of the the nation, Australia, and that we want to be a little bit on the same par as the Australians.
0: Uh, when you said you you have absolutely no regrets, you would do you would do everything everything the same again.
1: Yes, yeah, with my horses, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah the horse industry definitely. Now I have no regrets. It was. It's been... I've been very fortunate and very lucky. Very lucky. I, you should never have regrets in life. you just got to move forward.
0: Um, you talked a lot and, and very movingly about uh, your relationship with your father at the beginning of this interview. Do you, do you think he would be proud of you now?
1: Yeah, I think so now because I bought my own place. And he always said to me um, many, many years ago, whatever you do, try and buy your own place. Don't get in the situation I am. Because when he sold place When he left as a jockey, he got a partner involved. And he was a good partner because they bought horses. And straight away he bought a Group One winner. The first, sort of, second year he had Swiss Made, won the champion stakes. And then he ended up with Madden Gay that won the, the French Classic after being six years in training, um, training racehorses. So, you know, he'd been very lucky that way. But always, he had a good life, don't get me wrong, he travelled all over the world, he had a great life. But he never really had a lot of money he's always living off the bank or a partner involved he said whatever you do he said try and do it all on your own and i and which i did fortunately happily i did i didn't buy a massive big place but a very comfortable home and a, and some lovely stables
0: and you have done it all by yourself
1: <laughs> yes i have i've been to. So i have I, to be fair about i've been very fortunate with my head girls i've had over the years i had joe crowley who ended up training herself and retired and uh, I've got Elizabeth Mullen, she, she worked for Sunil Merlis and she'd been with me 20 years, and, and Sir Michael Stout. So I've been very lucky with my, my head people in my, in, my st- in my staff, I've been very lucky that way. And they're like a rock to me, because you need, you can't sail the ship alone, being a train, you've got to have good people behind you.
0: Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Al-Basti Dubai.